Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So this happened years ago when I was a dumb teen girl who loved walking the city alone after dark. This took place in Eastern Europe for context. It happened in a city with a tramway system. On this one night, I sat in a tram station waiting to catch the last tram home. Three trams stopped at this station, two of which went to where I was going. Important info for later. It was around 10pm, and as I sat there waiting, lost in thought, I barely registered a man quietly walking up and standing by the shelter. I thought nothing of it, just someone else waiting for the tram, until I started feeling weird. The streets were quiet and dark, and there was no one else in sight, just me and this guy, and I started wondering why he chose to stand this close to me when he had so much space to avoid dealing with people. I couldn't comprehend anyone wanting to socialize this late at night, given that I was not very social myself. So I glanced at him, trying not to overthink it. He was a bald-headed, beady-eyed giant, tall and built like a bear, big belly, and big arms and legs, whereas I was five foot two and scrawny, but that wasn't what scared me. It was the fact that he was staring right at me, unblinking and expressionless not even attempting to look away or act embarrassed. No, this guy wanted me to feel uncomfortable. I instantly felt weak and shaky, cold shivers down my spine. This was not normal. I realized very quickly that I was not in a good situation. I couldn't miss the last tram. Walking home was out of the question, and my phone was almost dead. I was a shy kid and I didn't have what it takes to scare this guy away. I knew that, but I had to at least try. I only managed to utter a small, I, trying my best to startle him out of whatever he was thinking, but my attempt failed in the face of his silent threatening aura. He kept staring, no sign of intent to reply. He was enjoying this, feeling the panic rising inside me. I told myself to stay calm and think rationally. Maybe he didn't hear me. Minutes had passed and his stare continued to burn on my skin. There was also no tram in sight. Ignoring him didn't work. So I mustered up the courage to speak once again, but this time louder. What do you want? Stop staring! No answer. He definitely heard me this time. I felt myself start to get angry. I didn't want to let this guy get to me anymore. I didn't want to continue to give him the satisfaction of watching me squirm nervously and also pretend that his behavior didn't bother me. I took a deep breath and I forced myself to start thinking. I knew what I can't do. I can't fight him off if he makes a move and there's nothing I can say or do that will get him to stop. I didn't know what his intentions were 
but I knew that they weren't good. If I tried to walk away, he would probably follow. I could run, but he would most likely catch up to me before I can tire him out, since his legs were much stronger than mine. Even if I managed to somehow lose him, walking home through dark alleys past the junkies and gypsies that were always prowling about could land me in an even worse situation. I could pretend to call someone, but he might feel compelled to act much sooner if he felt threatened. So what can I do? The only thing that I could realistically be able to do was try and outsmart him somehow. So I started developing a few plans, depending on which trams it showed up trying to confirm whether he was just amusing himself and actually waiting for a tram too, or popped over for other, more suspicious reasons, and whether I could actually get any kind of help. I couldn't let him see where I lived, so if he followed me, I'd have to be prepared to employ whatever strategy available. And for that, I needed to stay rational and very aware of my surroundings. While I was still thinking, the first tram showed up. It was one that I could have taken home, but this one pulled into the depot right in my neighborhood, forcing me to lead him to my home. I hoped he would board it and leave me be, but he didn't. He kept watching me carefully. I let the tram go, desperately hoping it wasn't the last one to head home. He continued to watch, and I sensed that he was quite happy with how things were going. I put up with it for another 15 minutes, trying to focus on another plan of action. I could now pretend that I needed the other tram, the one going to a different area of the city, and just ride to the next station, then getting off as soon as possible, so I don't end up too far and miss the tram that I need. This tram showed up next. With my heart in my throat, I boarded it and sat down by the door. He got on it too, but set himself in the back pretty far from where I was. I let out a sigh of relief, thinking that this might still go well, when the tram then reached the next station. I got up and out, not looking back and hoping it was all over. But when I stepped on the pavement and watched the tram drive away, I couldn't see him in it. I turned my head slowly and was terrified to see him walking towards me, looking slightly pissed off. He stopped just a few steps away and resumed his staring this time with a clear hint of malice, still in silence. My vision blurred as I fought back tears of despair. He was not going to let me go. The helplessness I felt was unbearable, but I couldn't cry. I couldn't give up. I had to find a way. I had to get home tonight. The prospect of what might happen to me anytime now if I didn't was becoming way too real. My head was full of unanswered questions, regrets, and horrible scenarios. I wanted so badly to not have to think anymore, to not have to fight back the tears and stay composed, but I knew this would be his cue to enact whatever fucked up plan he had in mind, and I couldn't let that happen. Then, I saw the final tram approach, the only one I could take now, and I got on as quickly as my trembling legs would allow me to do. When I was in, bright lights enveloping me, my mind snapped out of its nightmarish spiral of fear and allowed me a moment of clarity. I had three stops to figure this out. I sat down at the front and looked at the driver. He was a frail old man blissfully unaware of my distress. 
getting the driver's attention was a no-go. We passed one stop. There was no one else waiting to climb aboard. I turned around fully expecting to see that psycho had followed me again, but I didn't expect him to be sitting right behind me. He wasn't taking any chances. He was making sure that I wouldn't try anything like last time. I shot him a hateful glare, and I allowed my anger to overcome my fear. I stood up and purposefully walked over to another seat in the middle of the tram car. I wanted to make it clear that I won't put up with his bullshit any longer. He got up too, and slowly walked up to a spot two seats behind me and diagonally from me, then sat down with the tiniest arrogant grin on his face. Already expecting it, I shot up and stood by the middle door instead, determined to keep him on his toes. If I stood right by the door, he wouldn't have any idea which station I planned to get off at. He remained where he was this time, convinced that I was bluffing. After all, this really was the last tram. There was nothing else I could possibly do to escape now. He must have reckoned. So my defiance was just a funny act to him. This was my chance. I had to take the risk. It had to work. There were three doors in the tram, and they all opened and closed at the same time, and they stayed open for around five seconds before closing again if no buttons were pressed or people detected on the threshold. The next stop, the only one left before mine, came into view. The tram slowed to a stop. The doors opened. I made no move. Five long seconds passed, and the door started to close. I bolted out and ran for it, reaching the back door as fast as I could and slamming the button to open it again, my whole body tense with adrenaline. I waited a long, painful second and jumped back in, keeping my head low, holding my breath, and crouching behind the nearest seat. I shut my eyes tightly and exhaled slowly while thanking the gods that I didn't believe in for that button working, and also wishing with all my might for him to not have seen me before I got back in. As I was waiting to hear his footsteps approaching, I pictured him frantically looking for me. Was he still on the tram? Face screwed up in anger? Head turning like a fat, ugly meerkat? Or was he catching his breath on the pavement of the last station, mad eyes searching the darkness for me? As the tram continued its loud journey, banging and clanging in sync with my heartbeat, I dared smile to myself, just imagining his face when he realized he fucked up. Hand on my chest, I did my best to stealthily look around the corner and found no one looking back. I then stood up in absolute excitement throwing myself at the foggy back window. There he was, standing alone and victimless on that slow, fading-out-of-sight station, watching me leave him and his vile plans behind. Giving someone the middle finger never felt so good. I made it home, and I told no one my story, for fear I'd be admonished for my naivety. But I was safe, and I was proud of myself. I definitely learned my lesson. Creepy Stranger I hope the events of that day taught you not to underestimate girls, as well as prevented you from becoming a criminal for the rest of your life. This happened when my best friend was 17 and a half, and I was 17 in 1996. My best friend Chrissy and I are both smaller females. 
She was 5 foot 4 and at the time weighed 110 pounds, but was a soccer player and very athletic and strong. I'm 5 foot 7 and at the time I weighed 125 pounds. We're both blue-eyed blondes and were often asked if we were sisters or cousins. There's a large reservoir on the outskirts of her town surrounded by a beautiful public park. We figured we'd be fine to walk around in the park because lots of people go hiking there. I had gotten some really good quality weed and we were looking forward to finding a peaceful place to smoke some out in the nature. I had my pipe ready in my pocket and we were stoked. We chose to go out on a Saturday. It was a beautiful sunny day and there were not many people there. We parked her car by the reservoir in the mostly vacant lot that had two other cars. We did not see anybody there when we got there. We walked around the water for a bit and then chose a trail to go up. It was about 80 degrees out and we were sweating but we had some water in my small day pack. As we got about a quarter mile or so into the trail, I started having a weird feeling. I then looked at her and quietly asked, Hey, do you feel something is off here? Everything is just really quiet. When there were usually crickets chirping and frogs singing, it was totally silent. She looked at me and said, Yeah, I think so. And then we heard some crackling of leaves about 60 foot behind us and a bit to the left. We didn't see anybody there at the time, so we just continued forward. We were both getting pretty nervous, and we heard the crackling again this time but a little bit closer. We still didn't see anyone there. Each time we would continue forward, we would hear footsteps a little bit more behind us. I thought we were being stalked. There was a turn off to the left which led to a clearing by a large rock about 12 foot high with a large sturdy rope anchored on it to climb up to the top. It was part of a steep hillside off the cliff. The rope to climb it was anchored to the ground as well, so no one can move it. I told her, we need to get up that rock now. We need high ground. She nodded and went up first with me right behind her. We flew up that rock, clinging to the rope tightly and going as fast as we could. When we reached the top, we turned around to see an older man probably about 45 with a slider build and he was wearing a jacket, jeans and glasses coming into the clearing. He was about 20 feet away. He looked at us with a cold vacant expression. I got goosebumps looking at him. I shouted, Hi, will you please leave us alone? We're trying to have some privacy here. He made no response and with a blank expression, slowly started walking towards the rope which led to the top of the rock. My friend at this point was really scared and then asked, What do we do? I saw a large rock about 8 inches and almost square to my right, so I grabbed it. I was really surprised at how heavy it was, but my adrenaline was going, so I lifted it easily. I told her, Look around for the biggest rocks you can find and fast. Move them next to us. Hold the biggest one. And if that guy tries to come up, we'll throw them at him and then hit him as hard as we can. Aim for his head. Fortunately, there was a pile of sizable rocks behind us to the left. 
like someone had made a ring to hold up a fire on top of the rock and then moved them away. She brought a few over and held a large one to herself. My friend and I stood close to the edge of the rock, holding our makeshift weapons. I looked down to the base of the rock where the guy was considering the rope. He looked at us again with very cold blue eyes and no expression. Then he reached his hand for the rope. I shouted loudly, Do not come up here! If you try to come up here, you're going to get really hurt. We're aiming for your head with these rocks. Now get the fuck away from us! I held the rock close to my chest so he could see it. My friend next to me was doing the exact same thing, and we had a pile of more rocks as well. He blinked his eyes and cocked his head a little bit, then released his hand from the rope, and then silently backed away. He backed to the edge of the clearing, through the brush, still watching us, and then we heard his crunching footsteps go back through the woods until we couldn't hear him anymore. We stayed on the rock for another 20 minutes, maybe a bit more, just watching and waiting. There was no other way to access the rock except for the steep hillside covered with poison oak, so we didn't think he'd try it, and plus we'd be able to hear him if he did. After we didn't hear anything for 20 minutes, we decided to make a break for her car. We threw several rocks down to the ground. Mine hit the dirt with a particularly satisfying thud. Chrissy went down first while I was keeping watch just in case he came back. When I was scaling down the rock, she was holding a rock getting ready to throw it full force if he returned. Fortunately, he did not. We each grabbed the largest rock we could carry, put a few smaller ones in our pocket for good measure, then we headed back to her car on the trail, very carefully and quietly. The crickets were chirping again, but we were still extremely cautious. We made it back to her car without incident, and quickly left. That was the last time I've ever hiked in that park. Allusions to suicide, death threats, and harmful language. Do not listen to this if it could upset you. It's very NSFW. This happened back in 2019 to 2021, and it still sticks with me today. I will be using fake names for myself and the man that I'm talking about. Mary for me, Dennis for him. When I was 13, I met someone on Discord. He was funny, smart, and exactly my type. He was also 16. I don't know my logic with that being okay at 13, but I was stupid and naive, and we became close friends. After about three months of knowing him, I told him I had feelings for him. We then ended up dating. We lived across country from each other, and we were basically just friends, but whatever. So as we're dating, he starts basically grooming me. As a kid who was always on the internet and was also exposed to kick, I was used to this behavior and I thought it was fine. He had me send nude photos, gross messages, and pretty much worship him. I wasn't allowed to talk to people on Discord without him there and stuff like that. He told me that he would kill himself if I ever left or how he was always on drugs because he was so sad. He was also incredibly racist, and he thought Nazi jokes were okay. 
I'm so mad at myself for not realizing that it wasn't okay back then. He ended up cheating on me with his ex and tossed me out the door. He doesn't talk to me anymore, and he says we shouldn't talk anymore because we aren't together. Here's where it gets bad. Note, this happened over five years ago, and I have a spotty memory of this time. New accounts pop up in the server we met on and start saying horrible things about me. It was on a server of a mutual friends. Mary's a fat whale. Mary's an N-word. And more things of the sort. The accounts have names like Jerry Touches Kids or Big Fat Whale, etc. I'd gotten in trouble with the server owners because it was my fault that people were saying these things. Like I had told them to spam these things about me or something. The accounts also started messaging me to kill myself, die, how I'm a whale and a whore and more. I ended up blocking every account and moved on with my life. Great. It was over with. Or so I thought it was. Fast forward a year later to summer of 2019. Everything starts up again. The messages. Him telling people lies and rumors and direct threats. I was sent unsolicited porn, death threats, slurs, and how I should kill myself because no one cares. At that time, I had undiagnosed depression and anxiety, and I almost did kill myself. I went to therapy and tried to get over it. In 2020, right when the quarantine happened, I got a boyfriend. I was super happy and came back out of my shell. He and I would play games on Discord together, and I joined more servers. Around two months later, I got another message. Someone had messaged me named Lily, I believe. It was a normal profile, and we were in a server together, so I thought nothing of it. She then had messaged me how I was, and I had never talked to her before, so I was kind of confused. She said we had a long conversation about mental health the day before, so she wanted to make sure I was alright. I asked who she was and what she was talking about, and she said something like, Oh, you told me about this. You said you take medicine for schizophrenia and you must have missed a dose. Are you off your meds? I was extremely confused and scared because I never talked to this person and certainly didn't have schizophrenia. After about 10 minutes of this charade, I realized it was Dennis. I blocked the account and didn't accept new friend requests. The next day, I got hundreds of messages with the same contents that I previously mentioned. The threats, horn, and much more. I was so terrified and I had asked my boyfriend for help. He told me to make a new account and to not friend any of the other mutual friends so he couldn't find me. I did, which cost an affiliated Twitch account that I had spent years building. I changed all of my accounts, deleted most, and made new ones. The messages found me yet again. I had no idea how. These new accounts weren't tied to me. I got fed up and I had asked a mutual friend that I thought I could trust some personal information about Dennis so that I could go to the police and possibly get a restraining order or something. I didn't totally know how the police handle these issues. Months go by and nothing until the fall of 2021 in which Dennis messages me calling me a stupid bitch and how he'll always find me 
how I'm so fat and dumb and no one loves me. I completely isolated myself and deleted more accounts. I was never able to go to the police because I had no information, like his full name or address. It's been two years, and every day I worry if he lives near me, if he knows where I live or where I go to school. I recently found out that he had a website and he made YouTube videos. He's made YouTube videos referencing me in 2022. His actual copyright claim is something like, Mary the Fat Will Incorporated. I can't find it anymore, so I put the closest to what I remembered. It was hell, and I'm still worried every day that he will find me. I believe he has a Reddit account as well and could find this. I really hope we don't meet again, Dennis. I wish you the absolute worst in your life. So for context, I moved into my new house about a year or two ago. I had lived in the area for a year before, but we were evicted due to the owners of our old house wanting to move in. I'm a young female still living with my family, which makes the story even more weird and pedo-y. When you look out my window, you see my fence and then a house. They're up on a small hill, so the fence doesn't block anything. The first encounter I had with this man in question was late at night. I was with some friends while all of our parents were at a party. I will say that me and my friends are old enough to be left at home. We were responsible. We were just relaxing in my room with no light and music on. We had turned off the TV when we were alone. We had heard my dog barking for a good 10 minutes. We passed this off because she barks at absolutely everything. I'm talking birds on the power line, bug on the front porch, anything that moves pretty much. We started hearing weird noises, like crunching circling the perimeter of my room and scratching on the walls. I kid you not, the moment we started getting scared, the loudest bangs I've ever heard start pounding on my glass sliding door. Me and the three others run out of my room to go look at what in the world could be making this much noise. We were then greeted by an aggressive dog. This dog was up on the glass pounding on the door. My own dog was scared. She usually doesn't do this, but she had backed away behind me into my room with all of her fur up. Then we see it. A man dressed in all black standing at the door. We were all just standing perfectly still, but I guess my friend's flight response went off, and just as he jumped along the door, the man reached for it too, to which my friend then yelled, What the fuck are you doing here? Who are you? The man actually responded with a very simple, I don't know, and then walked off with his dog, who was on a leash by the way. When our parents got back, we told them about him. They asked us why we didn't call them. Truthfully, I know we should have, but I didn't want to run my mom's birthday. I feel like I've really learned from this. Two days later, my mom confronted our neighbor who was mowing the lawn. He said that it was in fact him, and that his dog had run into our gate and he had to get the dog back. He said that he had meant to come and talk to her earlier about it, but didn't. I thought it was a normal story, until I thought back to that night. 
The gate that his dog supposedly ran through has a tough clasp that was shut on that night. We have it there so our dog can't get out, and also so that nothing can come in, but you can open it by hand. Meaning that this man opened the gate and let himself and his dog right into our yard. My theory is that he had heard the music stop and didn't see lights from his house, so he decided that he was going to come and, I don't know, rob us I guess. The noises that we heard must have been him scaling the perimeter of my room for 10 minutes before attempting to enter. We filed a police report, and nothing happened for a few months, until one night. I was in bed almost asleep, but still getting comfy. I sat up to rearrange my pillows, and turned around so I could properly make it comfy, when I then saw a face right outside my window staring back at me. Whoever it was was wearing a black face covering, and I texted my mom and just froze. I heard moving, and then my mom came and checked it out, but there was nothing there. This wasn't just my imagination, as my neighbor's lights were visible from the crack in my curtain, but the face was covering a majority of that light. Ever since that night, I've always noticed them watching, and whenever I catch them looking, they get up from their balcony and leave. I'll catch them in the same spot watching only five minutes later. So to the dear neighbor who watches me relentlessly, stay the fuck away from me. I'm a 30-year-old transgender male. For the sake of my demeanor when this event occurred, I was a timid 19-year-old lesbian unleaded into the world immediately after graduation. I just lost my job at McDonald's due to a massive flood taking out a lot of businesses in my area, and I had a girlfriend that lived about 30 minutes away, and I needed gas money. So I took a job offered to me by a family friend at a 24-7 gas station in the next town over from mine. The shift I was hired for was 11pm to 7am, and I had never worked a night shift in my life. But I thought it would be pretty cool to have little to no pressure other than making sure coffee was ready at 4am for the morning regulars. I was required to train on day shift for the first couple of weeks to get accustomed to the operations. Throughout those weeks, I learned many of the ins and outs of what takes place on night shift, and I also learned the ins and outs of the people that hung around the place for hours. And there were quite a few. One woman in particular, Melinda, would come in every morning before and after dropping her kids off at school, also around lunchtime and sometimes actually buying us lunch. And during the evenings when her husband was home, she also came for hours, considering that she lived a couple streets over. She was nice, and I started to really enjoy her visits, and we got along so well in the store. It was a fun atmosphere for the most part. So it's finally time for me to work the night shift, and I had my manager with me for a few nights. I was taking her place on night shift because she couldn't do it anymore. She was nice, and I admit I had a pretty big crush on her, so I didn't mind spending time with her all night. And I learned when she worked the night shift, Melinda spent the entire night there. I had been working night shift alone for a couple of weeks, and some of those night shifts drug me into the days when we were short-staffed. But again, I needed the money. Anyway, one night I was doing my chores scrubbing the hot dog rollers and mopping the entire store. While emptying my mop bucket, I had heard the chime of the door, 
and I looked at my watch and saw it was 2 a.m., which was odd. There typically wasn't anyone coming into the store until 4 a.m. consistently, and I was a little upset because I had literally just mopped that floor, but I went out to see who it was. Just as I headed out, the movement in the mirror overhead to stop shoplifters caught my eye. There was a man at the counter doing something with the money order machine, and upon looking again, he had a knife. He was cutting the wires. For one reason, I have no clue. While he was cutting, I had heard him muttering, Where's Bonka? Over and over again. I knew I could walk back and get to the phone in the office, but I didn't want him to hear me. So I just pulled out my phone and texted Melinda to call the cops, and I tried to text quickly as much of what I could describe. She told me she would be right down, and I was freaking out with every second that passed. Before she could get there, the man went outside to the gas pumps and threw all of the trash cans, and he started to try and cut through the gas lines. I took this opportunity to lock the front door just in case he tried to step back in, and thank God I did, because he immediately made a beeline to the door, then slammed his fist into it. Just as he did, the cops and Melinda then showed up, and he was put into the cop car while I explained everything that had just happened. Turns out, Bonka was the name he called my manager, whose name was actually Bianca. He had become obsessed with her the weeks prior, dropping in nightly and making her night very uncomfortable, which explains why she couldn't take it anymore. They knowingly threw a timid 19-year-old into this mess, and seeing me there instead of her was what turned his obsession into rage. So, to the man that became extremely unhinged when they took a woman out of a potentially dangerous situation, and to the women that threw a naive teenager into his world. I could go my whole life without seeing any of you ever again. Fuck all of you. During my sophomore year in high school, I was unfortunately involved in a school shooting. It happened during lunchtime, and I'll never forget the chaos that unfolded in front of me. Right before the bell rang, I had heard what sounded like someone slamming lockers as hard as they could. The noise echoing through the halls, and before anyone could think, a kid ran down the hall screaming, He has a gun! Now mind you, it was close to the end of the year, so sadly, a lot of us actually thought it was just a fucked up senior prank. The reason I say this is because over the past few months, we had kids apparently posting on Facebook that they were going to shoot at the school. Therefore, we had police officers in our classrooms guarding us non-stop throughout the second semester. So when it actually happened, we really didn't know if it was real or fake. Our security guard, who was previously a sniper in the military, ran down the hallway to see what was happening. Not even a minute later, he comes running back telling us to run. And we did. Kids were jumping over tables. They were jumping over each other, and teachers were trying to pull kids into the classrooms. All hell broke loose the moment we realized this meant life or death. And all I could think about was, where's my sister? She had left for the bathroom moments before the first shots rang out. And I remember not knowing what to do. Do I find her or do I hide because the gunman was coming right for me? So I ran. I ran as fast as I could up the stairs and into my fourth period class. The teacher had sent a student out to see what was going on, 
and I rush us both inside telling him to lock the door. I remember everyone staring at me, like what's going on? Are you okay? And that's when the principal got the intercom, and I'll never forget what he said. This is a code red, everyone. Hide your students. I repeat, this is not a drill. Hide your students. I didn't even have to say a word. The senior class I ran into took action. They barricaded the door with desks and chairs after pulling in as many students as they could. The teacher told us to turn off all of our phone sounds, but to text our parents. When I did, my mom so happened to be right around the corner from the school. She raced right over despite me telling her that it wasn't safe. I felt like I could have gotten my own mom killed that day, and I still regret it, though she remained safe. A lot of what happened after that is a blur. I remember my sister texting me that she was safe, but that the gunman was trying to get into their classroom. I remember hearing the SWAT team clearing the hallways and hearing one on their radios that there was multiple objects, but no one could be found. I remember seeing on multiple Snapchats teachers next to doors ready to take action. Some had scissors, others had bats, and another showed students taking off their shoes ready to attack anyone who entered without permission. Though being slightly wholesome, a school of people should never have to defend themselves against angry classmates with guns. That was something that should have never happened, especially on a day our guard was down. Long story short, we were in lockdown from 1.45pm to about 10pm that night. The shooters were never found, as far as I know anyways, and nobody was ever fatally injured, thank God. Walking out though to see food and paper scattering the hallways was rough. We had to have our hands up in the air as we left the school, and before going outside we were all patted down just to make sure we didn't have any weapons. My parents hugged me harder than ever before, and just being happy that we all walked out to see another day. I actually dropped out of high school shortly after that, and I moved back to my hometown five states away. I lived with my brother for a bit until I got my own place, and that's where I met Devin. He was like three years older than me, and I never realized that he was my first grade crush's older brother, but there we were. He was pretty good friends with my brother, and would hang out when we'd have kickbacks. Can't say he was a bad guy from what I saw, and he never had any beef with anyone. Super laid-back stoner type guy. He was really cool. Until we all got drunk one night, and he let it slip that he almost shot up his high school. Now everyone there pretty much knew this about him, but just played it off as, well, he didn't actually do it, so... I mean, even my brother. I was disgusted when I told him what happened to me, and they dropped him from the friend group pretty fast. It's just really sad that it took me telling them that I was actually involved in it for them no longer to be friends with him. Like people, you shouldn't have been friends with him to begin with. What the fuck? Anyway, so I moved again, and I no longer talked to any of those friends, including my own brother, and that's something that I'm really not sorry for. It's been almost 10 years since these events, and I'm slowly moving on. I just really wish the trend of validating other people's very bad behavior would just stop. It's not a game, and if you ever feel the need to take these drastic actions, please don't. It's not worth ruining your life and others. You have a chance to make things right, so please do it. Thank you for all taking the time to listen to my story. 
And Devin, I'm more than okay if I never see you again. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night, everyone. And remember, to always, stay home.